Welcome back to the Nick Finzer Audio Experience. Today, I am excited to introduce you to a young man from Phoenix, Arizona, a musician, composer, and teacher uh, who actually went to the University of Arizona, and he got in touch with me a few weeks ago, and we had a nice little chat about music, about life, about college, about um, creativity and moving into the future and what to, what all of us can do as musicians to uh, you know move forward during a difficult time. Uh, and his name is Armando Salas, and he has a podcast called Mondo Vibes. And so you can hear that on his channel. So feel free to look him up, find that podcast. But we're going to kind of play it for you today here on our podcast. So you can get to know him, you get to know a little bit about what he's about and kind of check out a nice little interview. I really enjoyed doing this one. And a few things came up in this interview that I had not necessarily uh, brought up in interviews before. So if you've heard me, you know, <laughs> rattle on about various things, there are some new things uh, that we talked about here that I was pretty excited about and why I wanted to share it with you all. So hope you're having a great week. Please enjoy this conversation and we will catch you next time. <laughs> On this episode of the Mondo Vibes podcast, we have Nick Finzer, professional trombonist, jazz educator, businessman, and entrepreneur. He joins me to swap stories on teaching, creative content, his nonprofit organization for musicians, the jazz world, and the importance of being impatient. Give a listen. All right, welcome back for another episode of the Mondo Vibes podcast. We have today with us Nick Finzer, professional trombone player, jazz educator, entrepreneur, businessman. Seems like he does it all. So welcome, Nick. Thanks for being on. Yeah, thanks for having me, Armando. Appreciate it, man. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. So um, maybe you could just start with uh, maybe just some background on yourself, uh, how you got involved in this music uh, and in jazz, you know, some of your background in music. Sure. Yeah. So um, I grew up in Rochester, New York, which is like upstate, about six hours from New York mm -hmm. City, awesome. in Western New York. And um, I started playing trombone like a lot, you know, most people in, in elementary school. And I got uh, trombone was my last choice, but uh, oh, I, was okay. <laughs> I was tall. So they decided I should play trombone because I had long arms. Mm -hmm. Sure. And, why not? <laughs> And so um, I was actually more into actually like singing and Broadway and this kind of thing for like mm. a long time through middle school and into my freshman year of high school. Mm -hmm. But then Very I cool. uh, discovered um, a through taking, well, I was taking voice lessons and then all of a, that I got into this big band by doing that to play Duke Ellington's music. So that was oh, right a, on. a group that played and did the essentially Ellington competition. We went mm -hmm, to jazz, mm -hmm. we went down to New York and to Jazz Lincoln Center. And so that was kind of like the moment for me where everything kind of shifted. Mm -hmm. I'd always been kind mm -hmm. of serious about playing trombone, but I wanted to like be a classical player and this kind of thing. But uh, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that experience kind of changed my trajectory and Ellington's influence has never really left my, um, awareness i guess uh -huh, and, uh -huh. um, yeah 
And so, so that's kind of how I started. And then um, I ended up staying in Rochester to pursue a degree at the Eastman School of Music. And at that time, actually, my folks moved from Rochester out to Phoenix. So um, mm. they've been out there since I started college in 2005. Cool. And then I had always had my heart set on going to Juilliard. And so I um, took a year off after undergrad and just focused on that. And luckily, it worked out, moved to New York and did my master's and then just kind of things started rolling, rolling slowly from there, uh, one mm -hmm. step, one step at a time. Awesome. So was your, was your master's in uh, performance? Yeah, jazz Before, trombone. Jazz trombone performance. Mm -hmm. Awesome, man. Very cool. So then you mentioned that, uh, that Ellington was a big influence for you. Mm -hmm. Are there some yep. other, uh, other influences, either current musicians now or, you know, uh, I guess past that you still draw oh, your inspiration yeah. from? I mean, I can't get, I mean, kind of like my big trombone players, like uh, I have to talk about J.J. Johnson, Curtis mm -hmm. Fuller, Slide Hampton. Mm -hmm. Those those three are really big for me. And then contemporary players like Wycliffe Gordon was my first mm -hmm. jazz teacher mm -hmm. and Steve Teray. Oh, Steve was he? Was, uh, are kind of like my trombone heroes, but I had uh -huh. a huge Joshua Redman phase, a huge, mm, a huge mm -hmm. Pat Metheny phase, mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. really into Chick Korea and Herbie Hancock. Those, right that's on. the short, that's the short list. The short list, yeah. Going, but that's the, yeah. But th those <laughs> yeah. are the ones that were like the first obsessions, and so mm -hmm. I feel like I always kind of circle back around to them. Right. Uh, in, in addition to Ellington, but it was kind of Ellington, and then I was like, wait, there's all this other stuff. Like, what is this? Yeah, yeah. So then you mentioned. Uh, Wycliffe. Yeah. So actually I, I met him once actually. Um, nice. I met him here actually in Arizona. He was yeah, he he's came doing out. something at ASU, right? Um, I believe so. Yeah. I actually met him. Uh, I was in uh, the group uh, Young Sounds here in oh, town. Sure. And uh, I mean, Luke uh, was also in, in Young Sounds too. Uh, he was a, a guest artist that came down. Oh, but nice. I remember just playing him and talked with him. Cool guy. So he was your first first teacher then. He was my first jazz teacher. Yeah. He, right um, he came through Rochester a couple times a year I, for whatever reason uh, mm -hmm. when I was like in 10th or 11th grade and so I got to know him a little bit and then I used to drive down to New York for lessons on and off again and at Eastman they don't really have a dedicated jazz trombone faculty members so kind of during mm. that whole time I kind of stayed in touch with him and would again like drive down to New York for lessons and stuff mm -hmm. so he was he was kind of my he was definitely like a, a big influence and a big um I guess, person that pushed me in the right, di uh -huh. right direction. Yeah, cool, cool. The jazz guru. Awesome, man. <laughs> well, then you're also involved in education as well. Yep. Yeah. Um, I've always kind of been involved in jazz education kind of as long as I've been playing, really. Um, since I started in college, I've always taught and had a studio and kind of always had my pulse on like how to try to create different educational programs. And before mm -hmm. I finished mm -hmm. up at Eastman, um, I had organized kind of my first educational like tour actually out to Arizona with a friend of mine. And that kind of branched into starting a nonprofit called mm. the Institute for Creative Music with a buddy mm -hmm. of mine, a drummer named Chris Teal. And so we've had that since 2000, well, 2009, but formally 2011. And, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. So doing that and then kind of right after grad school, kind of by happenstance, I ended up getting a visiting professor job at Florida State University. Mm. And so I started that and I did that for two years from 14 to 16. Mm -hmm. And then and then I've been, I just finished my second year at the University of North Texas. 
uh, do as a professor there. And so I've mm-hmm. kind of always mm-hmm. been doing all the all the stuff just because, you know, as a performer, it can be challenging to make ends meet sometimes. So I've just always oh, been yeah. had I've had my kind of eyes open to all the different possibilities within the industry. And um, so I've done that and then tried to expand into having more educational offerings in terms of online stuff and books Mm -hmm. and all that kind Mm -hmm. of stuff. So I've just kind of uh, slowly but surely, again, just one step at a time, kind of built up an educational kind of component to what I do. Cool. Good for you, man. Yeah, I see, you know, all your stuff. uh, And you, you do such a great job with it, too like oh, uh, making, you know, making your, your videos. And, uh, you know, I was looking also on your website too. And I saw that you have, uh, like your eBooks that you offer too on there mm-hmm. too. So do you, uh, do you have any ideas for new ones that you're coming out with? Do you have like a, do you have like a steady flow of like ideas coming up for any of those or new ideas for eBooks? I put a, I've, at one point, a couple of years ago, I kind of compiled a list and I haven't reached the end of the list yet. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't have to keep on thinking too much. It's mostly been an, an execution phase for about uh, f- four or five years of kind of what I want to mm-hmm. do. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, so I have, you know, physical books and eBooks. And then I've turned some of those into like courses, like online courses, because, and this was like in 15, 16, 17, before people mm-hmm. were like kind of embracing the online thing more. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I'm hoping that uh, now that people are more open to it and mm-hmm. aware of its effectiveness, then mm-hmm. maybe I'll be able to keep on doing those things. But um, so I'm working on, I've, I kind of started with kind of like a method-ish book. It's not like a traditional method book, but it's like for trombone players that don't have jazz experience that want to start playing jazz, but they can already mm. play the instrument a little bit. Mm-hmm. So I've, mm-hmm. I find that there's a good amount of those people out there. So that's where I started. And then I moved to doing, I did like a warm up series and then uh, an etude book and I'm working on a duet book. And then uh, I have some pattern books that are kind of in the works as well. Um, but I try to create a system for my stuff where like one thing feeds into another. So mm. it's like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the books create educational content, educational, educational, like videos, inspired exercises, which become books and kind of around, around in a circle and obviously teaching and just like working with students or you try to find solutions to problems and then you're like, Mm -hmm, Oh, well, this could become something else. It doesn't have to be only for this one situation. And that's kind of how the first book I ever wrote came about was because I was teaching summer camps and I had like six different packets of stuff that I had put together Mm -hmm. over the five years or something. I was like, Oh, I could just put this together and create some kind of book out of it. And that's Mm -hmm. that's what I did. Very cool. Yeah. I always see you've got a a lot of really good content. And uh, I always imagine too, even for myself, like, like you were talking about how musicians like especially now like we kind of have our hands in like so many different like have to wear so many different hats and mm-hmm. you know we might be teachers composers you know business people so i'm curious for what you do uh how do you i guess i'm curious about your time management like mm-hmm. do you have a <laughs> a specific like format you follow if you're going to create you know a new post or just how do you find a, the best way for you to manage your time and all your different endeavors um, I'm kind of a person that kind of goes deep into one thing for a little while, like at one at a time kind of thing. And so I actually kind of batch out, batch, batch out, no, plan out is the mm, word I'm uh-huh. like, plan yeah, out, like kind mean, yeah. of the year kind of in advance. Like mm-hmm. I kind of mm. go, all right, 
this is the big project for this month. This is the big project for this month. And I kind of, you know, with years of refinement, I've kind of figured out how much I can kind of get done ish, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. you know, in mm-hmm. a given period of time. So, um, I kind of plan that out six to 12 months in advance and kind of go mm. deep. So if I'm writing music for a record, I know I'm not going to shed very much or make very much educational content mm. uh, and vice versa. If like this month I'm putting out <clears throat> like a, a video a day, basically educational videos, July, 2020 is when we're recording this. And mm-hmm. um, so that, that kind of took up a large amount of time last month to get ready for this month. So I try to do that, but I also, in terms of like content and stuff like that, I, I really think that the goal is to post at least every day. And so I just mm-hmm. try to view it mm-hmm. as part of like a daily, something I have to do each day, just like, mm-hmm. you know, exercising or anything else, just kind of schedule it in. And just, it's, it's a part of being in front of people and being in mm-hmm. front and trying to grow the career like every day for the long term. not mm-hmm. that I think, mm-hmm every post is relevant to everyone or sure. anything like that. Mm-hmm. But it's just mm-hmm. like, got to keep, keep it going because the yeah. more, put, the more you put out, the more chances you have of reaching someone that could actually change your circumstance or like hook you True. up with the thing you've been waiting for. So mm-hmm. I've just been, you know, I just like, okay, every day, something every day. Yeah. So consistency. Mm-hmm. Very cool. So, yeah. So you have like these, like kind of like an, you'll decide on an overarching goal, it seems like, and then that might filter through to, you know, the others, you know, this needs more time. And now these other things, which normally maybe gets more time might have a little less or like still there, but not as. Totally. I mean, there's only so many hours, so we can only, we have to figure out some kind of, I'm not really good with balance. So I'm kind of Mm -hmm. like a hundred miles an hour on something. And then Uh like, like you said, like other things kind of fall to the wayside and, but you know, for the longest time from probably 2003 to 2014, it was practicing mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it was like, I had mm-hmm. to shed. And so, and then from there, as things started to expand and I had more things to deal with, maybe that has taken a backseat and more of that other stuff has kind of come in mm. to build, to build the career. But um, I can't, I, I'm so thankful like that. I was obsessed like that in college because mm. now I wouldn't be able to keep up with the practicing at that level if i hadn't put in the time you know what i mean like to Uh get the basics together and just like to keep the 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 floor go coming up every day Mm -hmm. so that your worst Mm -hmm. day is a little bit better yeah Uh uh-huh yeah i I got you man yeah very cool so let's actually let's get into jazz man so like (laughs) so how do you uh because that would jazz at least to me it seems like uh can fall under like a big kind of overarching blanket it seems like like a lot of even i guess like sub sub genres or categories Mm -hmm. um so for you like how would you define jazz music or like if there isn't if a way now because there's so many right obviously things being combined now a way to say like this is jazz this is not jazz or when you play jazz you know what i mean i do uh i'm gonna cop out a little bit okay i'm gonna say that because the best way that I heard it explained was when I was at Juilliard and there's a masterclass with Joe Lovano. Mm, I don't okay. know how the topic came about, but his response was jazz isn't a what, it's a how. And so mm. I've kind of internalized that as my kind of barometer. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I don't necessarily find it to be like style, like something about the style isn't what uh, defines it for me. It's more of what's the intention. Um, mm. Okay. Like of the artist, you know, like mm-hmm. it, does it put creativity at the forefront? Cause I think there's like jazz creative music and then there's like, there's also swing, you know, and mm-hmm. like commercial mm-hmm. kind of 
dance music that's got like a nostalgia thing and that's kind of the purpose of it but for me it's like it's when it's the music exists for the sake of art and creativity and improvisation um and and just that intention yeah i don't know there's kind of it's it's that it's the how because it's not necessarily that it's this beat or this Mm -hmm. length or this much improvisation or or, or what it's just like more of like this is a creative endeavor where we're creating something together that feels like you know jazz to me mm, and then something mm-hmm. where it's just kind of the same every single time maybe that's a little bit less to me mm-hmm. to me but you know everyone has their personal mm-hmm. personal definition but and i don't i don't necessarily draw the border on term in terms of like swing or not swing um i find that I enjoy more music that draws on that tradition and you, that you can hear the musicians coming through that tradition of the history personally, but that doesn't mean that something like, you know, I don't even know what, I mean, knee body, but that, that those guys still are playing and are informed and like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I just don't like musicians that are uninformed basically. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's the kind of music where I'm like, well, I can tell that person hasn't really, you know, dealt with, um, more than just themselves but even mm. then i don't know i'm just uh that's not that clear you. but that's kind of <laughs> that's kind of i just go back to the joe lovano quote you know the jazz yeah, is I not like a that. what it's a how and yeah so for me, it's a how so i know it's kind of a cop-out to use somebody else's quote but uh, <laughs> well no i could see yeah i mean there's like that like you said that that changing that like co-collaboration you know like it you know i i know what you mean man yeah for sure and even then, like sometimes the word, I guess, even just when you think about the word jazz being used just in language, sometimes described as like, you know, and all that jazz, you know, or, you know, jazz is in the trees, man. It's in the trees. You feel jazz. You know what I mean? So Sure. Yeah, no, it kind I, of I, has different connotations to different people. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So then maybe talk a little bit about any uh, current, uh, do you have any composition projects you're working on or even just some performance collaborations there's not as much obviously in-person stuff going on but maybe some virtual projects performance projects you have going on or in the works um i've kind of taken the time to this time to kind of like i said kind of catch up on this back catalog of like educational stuff that i've been Mm -hmm. thinking about and um so i've been focusing on that i did an arrangement kind of a trombone ensemble arrangement that I put on YouTube a couple of weeks ago of a Kenny oh, cool. Garrett tune, mm-hmm. sing, one of my favorites from his songbook album. So I, I did that right and it finally came out. I was learning a lot about, because uh, I, I make a lot of videos, but not a lot of videos that have like 12 musicians in them or more. Mm-hmm. So I mm-hmm. learned I learned a lot about uh, <laughs> trying to figure uh-huh. out a workflow for something like that. So that came out last week, two weeks ago, something like that. Mm. And then... Mm-hmm. Um, I'm kind of, I'm really got my head down to kind of do this um, educational project. And then I'm going to do, I'm trying to f- launch some more content around music marketing and business and mm. get, get more content about that out. Uh, Cause it's something that I'm dealing with all the time as a record label person. And um, so that's coming in August. So like I said, I kind of do month to month things, but mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. My next project has been on my mind musically for a long time, which is I want to combine a jazz group with a percussion ensemble. Oh, sweet. I've been talking about it. And because I, I, you know, like I said, I had a big Pat Metheny phase and there's a Uh lot of stuff he's done with like, you know, expanded instrumentation and he had that orchestrion thing. Mm -hmm, And like, mm -hmm. I'm like, man, it would be interesting to like get a percussion ensemble plus a jazz, like a 
quartet or quintet or something like that Ooh, and see what yeah. might happen. So um, that's been on my mind. I've started writing some stuff, kind of thrown some stuff away, you know, uh -huh. but that's, that's kind of <laughs> yeah, what's been on my up. mind. You know, the latest record for my first band, uh, my sextet with that Lucas is in, um, mm -hmm. we've, we made five records. And so it felt like a kind of a place of like, this is, this is a good body of work and I want to get that band working more with that body of work and I mm -hmm. kind of want to expand and try some other things maybe for a little bit and see mm -hmm. what happens. Mm -hmm. So um, that's kind of what's on my mind. I have no idea what the timeline is for that project because I mm. have no idea. I've never written for percussion ensemble before. Mm. Well, actually that's not true, but it's, it's going to be something different. So it's going to probably have some uh, experimental, you know, times before I feel like it's time to record, you know, uh -huh. it could be a little ways down the road, but that's, that's where I'm, kind of thinking about and then the, my the guy that produces my records really wants me to do a strings record so we've been talking about mm. that mm -hmm. but uh like just like solo strings you mean or just like an ensemble with like combining strings in it yeah like a jazz again jazz like a quartet string. or a quintet mm -hmm. plus plus mm -hmm. a string ensemble of some sort um we've thought about it i haven't moved forward with it there's mm -hmm. kind of just a lot of things floating around mm -hmm. so uh yeah, musically, the, those are kind of the things I'm thinking about. Um, but, you know, I kind of have all these other things on my mind and mm -hmm. that are supposed to come first. And then uh, the semester starts again in August, so I have to get ready for that. So those mm, things are probably right. relegated to uh, to the fall, I, mm. I would guess, mm -hmm. based mm -hmm. on. And it could be however long before uh, before it comes out. But that's where I'm headed. But I'm trying to get the music from the last five records with my band to kind of get back out there and maybe finish the tour we started in March that got cut short uh -huh. and uh, go yeah. from there. So where, uh, where were you guys? What was like the next place on the tour that was like set that like kind of didn't get to happen? Yeah. So we played in, let's see, we did LA Palm Springs and Phoenix, and then we flew to uh, Reno and we did a workshop mm. at the University of Nevada, Reno. Mm -hmm. And that was the last day of the tour. We we're supposed to play a gig the next night mm. in Reno. But uh, we just, I was just like, we just got to go back. We got to get out of here. And because it mm -hmm. just felt everyone that was like the 13th of March or something. And mm -hmm. so everyone was kind of getting freaked out and like people mm -hmm. were doing weird stuff and running down the streets. You're like, Where are people, <laughs> people are going crazy. And we're in like a weird place, you know, like I'm not, like yeah, nothing not against familiar. Reno, but like, yeah, I was just like, <laughs> Man, what is going on? What is... <laughs> so we pulled the plug. So we never finished that to that part of the tour. So we never made it to, um, we're supposed to go to Nashville and New York and some more East coast States. Mm -hmm. Uh, and so all those got canceled, uh, and, or we were, well, yeah, canceled. I haven't rescheduled them. Yeah. So canceled. Uh -huh. Yeah. Postponed. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, so we still kind of play the new music in New York and we still, and try to get back to these East Coast venues, but I don't know, could be 21, could be later in 21. I'm supposed to be in Japan right now. There's a festival oh. there that got canceled two weeks mm -hmm. in Australia, kind of playing mm. this the music. So at some point, it'll come back around, mm -hmm. but um, so were those, those are all uh, the places. <laughs> yeah, were those uh, that you mentioned, was it, is it China you said or Tokyo you said? Uh, yeah, Japan. Yeah. Oh, Japan. Yeah. Was Osaka, that uh, yeah. Osaka? Okay. Were those uh, jazz events? So there was supposed to be the, there's this big international trombone festival that happens mm. once a year. And so it was supposed to be in Osaka this year. And so I was going to be a guest artist there, but uh, they canceled that 
obviously. So yeah, uh huh. Yeah. Wow, a lot of trombones, man. Yeah, man. Very cool. <laughs> Probably just like a wonderland for you, I would imagine. I mean, I I can't say that I ever fully grew out of my trombone nerd phase. Yeah. <laughs> And I don't think you should. I don't think you should. <laughs> Hopefully you don't. I hope you don't, man. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of how I fell in love with the music. Like, there's like, trump. There's a big tradition of trombone and trombone choir from Eastman. And so that's kind of hooked mm. me early on. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So have you seen... Uh, like a, a change that you would say maybe in like recent years, just in like, I'm just curious about the trombone world, uh, like a changes in composition, like compositionally, like new people that compose for a trombone. I mean, I guess it's always kind of music's always advancing out, but have you noticed mm-hmm. any, any current trends or anything new in the trombone music hmm. world? That's a good question. Um, you well, there's kind of, at least from my eyes, there's a lot of people that go, I don't know if it's really a split really, but it's just kind of like people that want to go into more of like what I'm, what I said as in terms of like the definition of like what I think of as jazz Mm -hmm. uh, in that way, or more of like a kind of commercial music for lack of a better way to put it. It's not Mm. really what it is, but like brass band and like salsa and Latin music and, funk rock all that kind of thing mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. like they go through jazz programs because there's not really another thing for those people mm, if you know mm-hmm. what i mean like yeah like you go for jazz but really you want to do th- that other part of, the, of yeah. the industry i've seen a lot more of those people in terms of coming up at least in terms of students um, there's a, a good amount of those people that end up in a jazz track because that's the only track available that's mm, not mm-hmm. not a classical track um, sure not like a rock trombone or a funk trombone yeah, you track can't really or, like yeah. just be like a trombone and play that sort of music you're kind mm-hmm. of relegated one way or the other not everywhere i think berkeley might be has some other options but mm. um so there's cool. that but i i think i i mean i've just noticed I mean, I guess it's kind of a small pool pool of us that are really kind of pushing to like do their own music, but there's like people doing a lot of stuff, you know, Ryan Caberly, Marshall Jilks, Michael Deese, uh, James Burton, these guys that are kind of like, they're like maybe six, seven, eight years older than me and kind of so mm-hmm. They're mm-hmm. big inspirations to me, you know, cause they're close to me in age. And so they've been doing their thing and putting records out and projects. And so, you know, I think there's a lot of trombone band leaders now Mm. Uh, people are seeing it out there at least Mm -hmm. if you're paying attention i guess i'm Uh biased Uh but uh you know people are really trying to push it out there and you know it's still amazing to me how many times you can play and people are like oh i didn't know the trombone could sound like that and i'm just like what did Mm -hmm. you think the trombone sounded right (laughs) and they just think of kind of gut bucket Mm -hmm. yeah or loud right right. crass in a parade or in a exactly so you know i it's interesting just because at the beginning of mu- the music, like back in the thirties and forties, trombone players were like right in the front of the show with mm-hmm, regardless mm-hmm. of how cheesy you might think it is, but Tommy Dorsey and Glenn mm-hmm. Miller, these mm-hmm. guys, they, you know, they were trombonists. And then all of a sudden we kind of lost favor for whatever reason. But I think there's a definitely an equal footing, you know, well, maybe mm-hmm. not an equal footing, but we're trying to get there. 
Mm-hmm. Trying to yeah. change the, the landscape. Yeah. Uh-huh. So yeah, I think too, even I guess when you think about, I mean, probably different in different areas, but like it seems here, like in Arizona, that even if you think of like people that are beginning, like beginning bands, and you look at the numbers, like the, the low brass section always seems to be like it's on the lower end of as far as just students that are starting out in it. You know, there's a lot of flute players or like a lot of maybe trumpet players, you know, but could also be just like the size and maybe even the price could be like just of the instruments. So parents maybe. maybe thinking about you know i want to play the tuba how much does it cost no yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> or well, something like that you know what I, mean? I mean the trombone is one of the cheapest instruments let me tell you that like mm. compared to a saxophone like come on man yeah no yeah you're right trombone there man. Is like like if you want to buy like the most specked out trombone you'll spend four to five thousand dollars tops oh wow that's like the best yeah you know you could spend more i guess but you know like that's like a really freaking good trombone as opposed to, and so i know saxophones are like 10 grand they can be yeah i guess it depends on yeah if you depending on what you want and especially yeah. if you're getting into the larger like if you're looking like at a, a berry sax or a bass sax or something like that you know but yeah yeah, well, yeah for sure man so then maybe uh because we talked about how you got into trombone too like did you ever i think you mentioned a little bit did you ever play other instruments too or do you still now also like do you play some of the other brass instruments as well um the kind of the most doubling i ever did was when i was subbing a lot on broadway shows and so mm, mm-hmm. doing bass trombone that's a normal double but uh also doing some tuba um i played tuba in high school cool. a little bit too so mm-hmm. i kind of kept that together over the years but mostly i just kind of deal with trombone um i mean I play a little piano a little drums a little mm-hmm. want to play a little bit of bass don't play any bass but uh mm-hmm. You know, trying to get all the the rhythm section instruments to get just like a little bit of understanding about how that how that works a little better, you know. And uh, so, so, but mostly just trombone. I, but I was doing two a show. It was actually an Ellington show on Broadway for a while, where the it was the chair was lead trombone and bass. Uh, sorry, lead trombone and tuba and train whistle. Train whistle. <laughs> train whistle. First song you would play the train whistle, which was great because you got a double because it was not a brass instrument; it was a percussion instrument. Oh, okay. Percussion, trombone, and tuba—you got two doubles. And train whistle. Hmm. <laughs> Maybe that'll be a new venture for you. Maybe train yeah, just the train whistle. Train whistle instructor now. The train <laughs> whistle lessons online. <laughs> one more thing to get into. Yeah, one more thing. That's all I need. Yeah. <laughs> So then you also mentioned your, uh, or maybe you didn't mention it, um, but I was interested in your uh, hearing about your nonprofit organization that you have going on. So maybe talk about like how that started, like, and then even just what you're, you guys are doing now with it. Sure. So it's called the Institute for Creative Music. If you want to check it out, it's ifcmusic.org. Um, and it started because we were looking, we were college kids trying to figure out how to tour as a band. And mm. like you you're like, uh, okay, these gigs pay a hundred bucks or 200 bucks split of the door. How are we mm-hmm. going to like make this work? Not to make too much money, but just to break even and fly somewhere yeah. or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so we devised kind of an educational plan to go along with, I had a funk kind of fusion band in college with my roommate awesome. and this drummer that eventually became the co-founder of the Institute. But so we ended up, we ended up doing that and kind of, it was the springboard to, using non-traditional repertoire to connect students of um, all ages to 
uh, improvising. And so mm. we kind of developed programs where we would go into not only the jazz band, right? We would go into the concert band and we would go into the choir and the orchestra and um, present like maybe Radiohead or something like that, like some tunes mm. that we could show them and mm -hmm. learn together by ear and then start, start having them improvise. And just to get people improvising and using improvisation as the tool for developing their musicianship uh, from fourth grade, third grade, all the way up through college, you know? So that was kind of where we started. And so we got a bunch of grants not a bunch, but a few grants and mm -hmm. uh, went to mm -hmm. actually Montana of all places and um, did wow. a few different years of residencies there where we connected with, you know, all, the, all again, that whole range of student and kind of developed a curriculum that we would do. And so we did that for a while and then it transitioned into offering some summer camps that we would take that same approach with. So it definitely takes, you know, that wider view of what would fall under the heading of jazz, like using mm -hmm. Radiohead and like traditional New Orleans tunes and what a lot of stuff that's just really simple and accessible. Uh, and so that's kind of it came out of this like fusion band trying to say like, OK, well, what are some tunes we can use that are more mainstream mm -hmm. or, that mm -hmm. aren't necessarily swinging tunes? And so it kind of developed in that way. And so now we we kind of all moved to different places. So I went mm -hmm. to New York and then the drummer, he and him and his family now live in Arkansas. His wife teaches at the University of Arkansas. And uh, the, one of the bass players moved to Argentina because his wife is from Argentina. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so we kind of all split off and then we started developing online courses, kind of using improvisation, no music, learning by ear kind of as the fundamental foundation. And so um, we've been running summer camps the last couple of years. Last week, we just did a virtual summer camp uh, for that. And uh, we also have been creating these, um, we call it creative jazz fundamentals, but it's like, uh, mm. there's like four or five um, sets of like video courses now that are like geared towards beginning improvisers that want to, uh, you know, learn, tunes we've like composed contrafacts on popular tunes and used some popular tunes and uh just talk about just like one chord tunes and two chord tunes and just kind of it's kind of loosely based on a, a book kind of called jump right in which is like a mm. methodology of music education that's mm. written by one of the professors from eastman so we kind of talked to him when we were developing the curriculum and stuff like that and so now that's kind of where we are because everybody's in a different place. So we've been focusing mm -hmm. on the online stuff. We obviously we used to do more residencies. We've been doing a, less of that because everybody's all over. Mm -hmm. um, so that's kind of what, what, where that started. It came out of necessity. And then we decided we both wanted to learn how to start a nonprofit. And so we just learned by doing, which is kind of the way that I learn everything. I just kind of say yes and jump head, uh -huh. head first into the water and see, see how to make it work. So um yeah that's that's so institute for creative music that's kind of what we what we did awesome. and we wanted it to be you know broad enough to cover all different styles of music and all the ensembles at a school not just focus on the jazz ensemble gotcha awesome man that's so great do you have any ideas or suggestions for any musicians that are thinking about either starting their own nonprofit, either just how to get started or just i guess really anybody i guess that's interested in and starting there, getting involved in that. Well, um, the first thing is to really figure out if you actually need to, because um, mm. there's a lot of paperwork that goes into it. Uh, there's money, 
you know, it, it's not cheap. Like it's a couple of thousand dollars by the time you get all said and done in terms of investing in the setup of it all. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to have board meetings every year. You have to keep minutes. Mm-hmm. You have to like, there's a lot of administrative stuff to keep the mm-hmm. tax exempt status. So, you know, something that I talk to people about when they ask me is usually like, well, do you really need a nonprofit or do you just need a fiscal sponsor? So a sp- fiscal mm-hmm. sponsor is somebody that can accept grant money on your behalf and distribute it to you. So, you know, for some of, you know, people that I work with, other people have like talked to us and, you know, we've acted as a fiscal sponsor as part of our mission to empower artists and empower musicians mm. to, to build product, uh, build their projects and stuff. So that's the first thing It's like, do you really need mm-hmm. to do it? Are you really committed to actually doing what it takes to keep it going? Um, because there's a lot of things like if you dissolve a nonprofit, nobody gets to own any of the assets and there's mm. just like there's so even if you if like if you buy equipment and stuff like it has to get sold and liquidate like it can't like nobody can keep anything like there's mm-hmm. a lot of rules <laughs> so mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. actually check into like do you really need to do this and mm. a lot of groups like classical chamber groups have done really well by becoming a nonprofit, and so I think it's a great model to follow if you're going to really go after grants and you're really going to go after those sort of things. There's a brass group of a bunch of friends of mine called the Westerlies and they've done really, really well. And they've gone this route and they kind of blend contemporary classical music with improvisation and jazz. They're all Mm. three of the four of them have like jazz degree backgrounds and that's their focus, but they've come like, they've become like pretty, pretty uh, successful doing that. And they went that route. So it definitely can be a good route to go, but there is a lot involved and you have to have board members. Like, so we have our core founding mm-hmm. board members, mm-hmm. but then there's other board members. And then you got to try to find people to, you know, uh, help you raise money and kind of all different sort of things. And it's just kind of time intensive. So it's like, do you really need to do it? Do mm-hmm. you really want to do it? Would be the my mm-hmm. first thing. And then, but it's not that hard. You just have to learn the rules. And then, mm-hmm. uh, but you have to have people that you trust and you have to have people that you know will put in time. Um, I've seen other organizations get founded and then everyone's like, well, no, I thought you were going to do this. No, I thought you were going to do this. And then nothing ever gets done and it becomes a total waste. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Um, I've seen that more, more often than not. So mm-hmm. Just try to be clear if you really want to do it or not. It's not just like a short-term thing because uh, you think it. you can apply for some grant because it's really, really hard to get grant money. It's so mm. competitive. Like it's not like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm going to make a nonprofit and I'm going to get all these grants and all these people are going to give me money. Sure. It doesn't work. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> so do you think it would be valuable for uh, a valuable skill to learn about grant writing for someone that's interested in that? For sure. Every nonprofit needs a grant writer. And if you can be an effective grant writer, you'll have unlimited work forever. Yeah. <laughs> Job security. <laughs> yeah. Anything where you can be bringing an organization the, th- the exact thing they need to f- fulfill their, mu- their mission, uh, mm-hmm. you're going to be able to be employed, I think. Mm-hmm. Do you come from a musical family? Do you have any, anyone in your family, either close, either parents or that are also involved in music? Yeah, so when I was growing up, I would have said no. But um, then I found out in, in high school, my mom 
is actually a flautist and that she oh, was going to go to, she was going to go to Eastman, but decided to get married and have kids instead. Uh-huh. And uh-huh. Uh, so she started playing again when I was in high school and she mm. was a classical flautist. And now she's kind of um, shifted and pivoted into kind of this like new age world. She spent a lot of time like in Sedona mm. and stuff, mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. Music yeah. that looks like sounds like this. Yeah, those, those red rocks, those red yeah, rocks of Sedona like, get you. <laughs> so she, so she's a musician. She was a classical, classically oriented musician. Uh, so she, I guess she played while I, you know, before I was born and after and everything. So, uh, I, so yes, I do have that in my family. My mom was a musician and uh, was going to was going to go the classical music route, but then just kind of at the last minute shifted her focus to wanting mm-hmm. to do mm-hmm. family and. Um, so yeah, I have that. And uh, so now she's out there in Arizona and she's doing her thing and she has a, a new age record label that she runs. And oh, she sweet. Stuff. Uh-huh. Does she, um, I mean, maybe not at the moment, but she also does like perf- live performances. She performs yep. like that too. Okay, mm-hmm. cool. I wonder if maybe I've seen her perform somewhere. Could be. Knew. Yeah, she's, uh, she used to, maybe more like 10 years ago, but she used to be like at every like outdoor like festival kind of thing, like playing with a booth and like set up with uh-huh, her and a guitarist uh-huh. and they would just play. And so she's been, she, she's been around doing her thing for a while. So cool. It's quite possible. Have you guys ever uh, thought about, uh, or maybe collaborating together on something or have you or like collaborate on like a project or a performance? Uh, she, she, she is very keen on the idea. We kind of exist in different like worlds, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. there's a couple of tracks that, one time when I was out there, I went over to the studio where she records and like, just like improvised and they've used some of that stuff to like build into her tracks. Mm. So mm-hmm. she's mm-hmm. got a couple things that I played on uh-huh. <laughs> in air quotes, like I played uh-huh. and then they used some of it. So mm-hmm. um, no, we've talked about doing something. I haven't exactly figured out what that is yet, but she really likes playing um, like bass flute and alto flute, which mm. is pretty cool. Cool sound, so I don't know. There might be a chance to do something, but I haven't uh, haven't figured that out yet. Yeah, those those low woodwinds are are pretty cool, especially the flutes. Like if yeah. you've seen that giant, like the hyper bass flute, like those giant ones. I don't know if you've oh, seen yeah. those. Those those are. I've seen pictures. Yeah. Yeah, those are super cool. Yeah, she has like a bass flute. You know, it's like mm-hmm. you have to stand up to play it. And uh-huh. Everything. It's crazy. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. So, is there any? I want you to think back in the history of Nick. Is there any, <laughs> is there any uh, performance or performances that stand out to you as being like an especially memorable one or either just was a great, you know, you either felt like just really creatively it was great or just because something about the, the concert itself that would just yeah, stood out no, to you? There's, there's definitely a few that stick out. So uh, there's basically maybe th- three that really 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 stick out one was the first time that i played at smalls because it just Mm -hmm. it felt i know it seems maybe insignificant but for Mm -hmm. a kid who wanted to go to new york and play and be in the scene it felt like okay i'm here like here Mm -hmm. i am and not just like playing a jam session but having a gig like it was probably with lucas's band i would guess Mm -hmm. the nana played Mm -hmm. and just like man okay this is why i moved here this is why to do this and be here part of this scene and mm-hmm. so that was one that's one that really sticks out and then the second cool. one would be the uh, first time i got to perform with the lincoln center jazz orchestra 
and mm. feeling like, uh, am I supposed to be here right now? Mm. Am I mm-hmm. supposed to be doing this? And of course, on that, that was a tour I did. And of course, they'd played um, Bregan and Brass. And if you know Bregan and Brass, it has this really hard trombone solely in it. That's all mm-hmm. hockey. Mm-hmm. It's really fast. And Winton likes to play it really fast. And so it was like just sure. in the hot seat <laughs> and super stressed out. And yeah. like, there it is. like my heroes and just like, oh, shit. But what yeah. <laughs> yeah. That one awesome, sticks out. And then the last one, there would be, uh, I did a tour. The first time I went to Australia, I got to play at the Sydney Opera House. And that was a, mm. just like a cool, like kind of iconic venue to get to play in. And uh, so, yeah, those would be awesome. A few. So how, so what was your experience like in Sydney? Had you been there before? Or was that your first time being there too? I think it's, I can't remember if it was, it must've been the second time that we were in Sydney that I played that we played at the opera house. Yeah. It was the second time. So it was, it was cool, man. It was like, wow, we're playing in the Sydney opera house. It's like, you know, you just think of it as like a building you see on TV or whatever. Yeah. And you're like, Oh man, like, okay, cool. Like, yeah, it's actually, if you real. grew up there, I don't know if people like would care that much, but it just mm-hmm. felt like, you know, like, Oh, like maybe I'm doing this thing that I set out to do. Like, mm-hmm. getting to like i'm starting to like get to the yeah. places where i want to be and stuff yeah. like that so you felt like you were made you had you were making it yeah it felt it just felt like you know a good bit of progress from like whatever playing free restaurant gigs mm-hmm. in rochester to mm-hmm. okay i'm traveling and we're playing the sydney opera house that seems legit <laughs> yeah <laughs> like people will be like oh okay yeah he's a musician but yeah. he's like a seems real like... musician not just like a musician or right something. yeah you know uh-huh. i don't know yeah not a yeah, I gotcha. I don't cool, dude. Well, talk a little bit more about uh, your experience with Smalls. So maybe you could, maybe for people that are listening who aren't familiar with Smalls uh, Club, maybe talk about that and your experiences there, performing sure. there. Yeah, so Smalls is like, you know, one of the last jazz clubs that's really dedicated to the musicians and run by musicians and um, exists to cultivate the scene for the musicians. Um, not that other clubs don't also have a cool scene for the musicians because they do, but like, it's just really like all about the musicians. And once you start playing there, you know, they'll let you in and it's a hang and like, they want musicians there. They want it to be an artistic kind of scene, mm-hmm. which is missing from some other venues. And um, it's just about the music and they never let the bands go unpaid and they never- Oh, that's awesome. You know, it's not based on the door. I mean, they do great mm-hmm. because of their location and everything. And and now they're, you know, just very successful. But they, they prioritize the musicians first, which is like just an, an awesome thing to be a part of. It's not like you're going to make a killing playing at Smalls, but it's like everybody wants to play there just because it's supportive. And like they want you to do your thing, play your music. Like, you know, it's that part of the jazz scene that we were talking about it's like creativity could be swinging or a little you know different than that but it's like man just do your thing and do it on a high level and like Mm. play the music for the music and um don't worry about anything else so you know that's why there's just a history of people like you know peter bernstein and kurt rosenwinkel and like all those people that were at the first smalls Mm -hmm. that was just kind of like a dive hang place and then now it's kind of transitioned into a thriving business and um they've done amazing things with like they have an online streaming Mm. uh, situation where Mm -hmm. they stream every single performance and now there's an archive where people can subscribe to 
and it's being used in educational uh, places. Like I know a school in Amsterdam and a school, the new school, mm, I think mm -hmm. in New York is using that archive as like part of their curriculum of like, here's the musicians, here's whatever, so-and-so playing here. And um, so they're just doing great things for the scene. And I mean, obviously they're not really open now, but mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. they're doing the best that they can, but mm -hmm. um, it's just an amazingly supportive place to play. And there's not, yeah, there's like not that many places to go in New York and just feel like it's all about the music and the hang and the scene and like, right. they're not gonna kick you out uh-huh just be, you know and it's like yeah like the about the yeah. music yeah it's about the music yeah and the history like it being you know iconic too because even when i mentioned just even to musicians that i know that i think that used to live there even just mentioning the name oh smalls like oh yeah 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 smalls they have some see that they have some kind of you know i remember seeing so and so there i remember when i was young like right. you got to go to smalls and see gotta go you, to smalls, yeah. you gotta go to smalls so go big at smalls man <laughs> Yeah, you gotta, you gotta, just, I don't know. It just feels like, I don't know if it's a rite of passage. It's just like, the, it's just, there's a lot of creativity happening there on a high level. And it's just like, yeah, you know, just thankful to be a small part of what happens there, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Have you uh, performed with a number of different groups there at Smalls? Uh, yeah, a bunch of different bands, for sure. Right on. Cool. So then here's a good one for you. Um, is there anything about either just the, like the music world or even like the, the trombone world maybe that uh, you feel can advance in a certain way that hasn't yet? Or how would you see it maybe like to advance? I don't know about the music world in general, but I can speak to the, the, the jazz world kind of in our genre mm -hmm. here. Yeah. Uh, we are so slow and so far behind in terms of marketing, in terms of sharing our music, in terms mm. of growing our fan base in terms of even thinking about any of those things. And I would love if people would just take two seconds out of their day to like realize that it's just as important as the part of the practicing and the playing, mm -hmm. because sooner or later, if we don't actively seek out to grow the audience, uh, they're all going to disappear or they're all going to be musicians. So, um, you know, we're heading in that mm -hmm. direction and, uh, I, there are people that are reaching out beyond that and growing the audience, but if everyone was doing it, it would be much better for everyone. But everyone tends to kind of be in their own little silo and kind of thinks like mm -hmm. um, it's their, their fans or like it's their little thing. And it's like, well, really, we just need to like expand the whole thing so that there's more, there's mm -hmm. more pie for everyone, you know? Mm -hmm. and so that's what I talked about, like our artist roster on the label, like, Hey guys, like let's cross promote each other because everyone, mm -hmm. you know, a rising tide rises all ships yep. kind of vibe. And, uh -huh. uh, so I think it's really important for musicians to start thinking about those things as soon as they can. There's a lot of people that don't want to, that they don't want to hear the word brand, they don't want to hear the word mm. marketing, but it's mm -hmm. like, if you don't do it, you're making a choice to not do it and to be relevant until somebody decides that you're relevant. And it's mm -hmm. just like, mm -hmm. I don't understand that because to me, that's, I'm not going to wait around for somebody to finally tell me that it's okay to do something. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. My heroes didn't do that. They didn't wait around. They went and did the thing that they were trying to do. So it's like, we're, we look to our heroes for inspiration musically, but we don't necessarily see the whole context of like, what that music was to the world where it's set yeah. and, you know and like 
they were being yeah, the bigger picture yeah. they were like being courageous and like going out there and doing something and trying to make something happen and it wasn't like yes there might have been more support from record labels there might have been more support more money in the in the industry but it's not that we can't get back to that or some version of that mm-hmm. to me it, it just continues to go more and more and more into institutions mm-hmm. uh, so obviously our grant writer friends will have more to do but mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> you know like i just it's just like if we just t- took some time to think about it i can't tell you how many people we talk to when we say all right so tell me about your album they're like well it's some mm-hmm. songs and uh i recorded them and yeah this is my band and uh you know we just love we love the music and you know we're just building on the tradition you know and like want to mix in some standards it's mm-hmm. the same mm-hmm. story the whole almost 80 percent of the time mm. of like you know jazz musicians trying to put their music out it's like we need to have some kind of angle yeah you don't have to think about it from the beginning but you do have to think how we're going to share this music with the sure. 1000 other albums that this person's going to get bombarded with uh-huh. this month so so it's uh, kind of like the the base idea is there but not really like an overall like maybe like game plan or like would you say like action there's plan no base idea thinking, most of the time oh there's even no idea <laughs> And they did, and so it's just here's some music for the sake of music. Somebody told me I should make a record. It's like okay, oh. yes, but now we have to figure out what to do with it. So I don't necessarily compose a record with the music thinking about how I'm going to tie it together. But after it's done, I'm thinking about how am I going to share this story and how do I make this into mm. a story mm-hmm. or something. It has to have something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it has to, can be a very small something but it has to be something because saying this is a collection of songs by this composer you've never heard of is not a compelling reason for somebody to check out your music. Yeah, no, I don't think so. And that's probably, I would, I would think even, do you think that could be even related back to even schooling, like music, just education as a whole, either on, on a younger level or even in the college level too, do you think? Yeah, there's not a lot of, um, well, I don't know where it's like everywhere, but it's definitely like I never thought about developing myself as an artist, like what that would even mean until grad school. And I'm not thinking that necessarily it was appropriate until then either, because I feel like I wasn't ready. Mm. But then once I was, mm. I was like, oh, this is a totally different skill set. This is a entirely different than getting really good at the trombone or like learning standards and like playing things in 12 keys. Like none of that has anything to do with the developing as an artist all of it obviously are skills that you use sure to display your artistry but it's like playing another tune in 12 keys is not going to help you tell the press about why they should listen to your music or uh-huh. like what's unique about you and it's everyone's unique because they have their own list of influences and that of course is going to make you sound like you without mm-hmm. having to try in my opinion mm-hmm you just have to open yourself up to the awareness of like, what are the things that I'm good at? What are the things that I'm interested in? And then try to use those as your differentiators because nobody needs another Brecker copycat, you know? Uh-huh. Not that there are that, that's uh-huh. not that yeah. uh, much mm-hmm. anymore, but you know what I mean? I yeah, think. I know what you mean. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. Because it, it seems like the there's like the craft obviously of of playing your instrument or doing music well, but like the craft of um, learning, like to develop your creativity or yourself as an artist. Yeah. Um, Cause it seems like even now that I'm thinking about it, sometimes it's almost like 
maybe falls under like people saying like, well, you either have it or you don't. Like it's like this ambiguous, like you can't develop that or something like that, which sounds kind of strange when you think about it. But yeah, it I, just, like I, it I just don't think is. it's true. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah, it definitely is something that you can develop. Yeah. Because like, do you think even at like the, I guess even in just the college level, even myself too, like I remember one of, I mean, I had a lot of great courses and great teachers, but like we def we had a careers in music class, mm -hmm. which was really cool because actually my saxophone professor at the time actually ended up teaching that course. Um, and that was super cool because we had talked about a lot of stuff that I had never even closely even thought of. I mean, stuff sure. like doing your taxes as a musician and like, you mm -hmm. know, just how to do your home office deduction and all this stuff. You know? <laughs> so do you sure. think having, having things like that would having more classes like that would aid in that or having courses on just specifically developing, like you're saying, your creativity for artists in general would help with that, I guess, for jazz musicians or jazz music. But Yeah, I mean, this is something that's come up for me recently in that UNT wanted me to do something like that. But I said I ended up saying mm. no because and not because I didn't want to take on another class that had nothing to do with it. It was just the fact that I really believe that you have to do stuff in order to learn stuff and that making mm. another class is not necessarily going to help the musicians. They need mm. to be doing something. And so my suggestion was like, let's not do that. Let's have a, some kind of workshop or let's some kind of like capstone project where they have to do something mm. and they will mm -hmm. learn the skills along the way. And we can provide them resources and we can provide them some online videos like rather than make them sit, sit through a 90 minute lecture let's just record them and let them mm -hmm. go to them as they need them but then they're like well that's not how school works and blah 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 blah, blah. so <laughs> it's not happening it's not happening which is oh, fine okay which, so they were it's fine it's just so it's just like to me i mean and this it's not inside the realm of regular school like a class to do it that way but to me that's mm -hmm, how i learn mm -hmm. that's how i think people learn is by doing stuff so just like you're playing your instrument you got to do the business side so just do your taxes or just you know yeah. just do yeah just do it whatever just make a record just make a website just put a press kit together just try to make a just story about it. your album just whatever and so i to me it's more about like i would want people to do that rather than um, like yeah. sign up for another class. Like, and even I true. suggest to not take music business classes and to take real business classes because mm -hmm. there's always this thing about like the music business and these mm -hmm. music entrepreneurship classes. And it's like, this is just a, no offense to anybody that teaches these. It's just a dummied down version of the regular thing. Like just go learn about how to start any type of business in the business school, especially mm -hmm. at a school. I did said the same thing when I was teaching at FSU. I'm like, you have a business school right over there, go over there and get the information, you know, and people generally wouldn't, but yeah. Yeah. Anyway, now I'm getting because <laughs> I'm just like, just go get the information. Going, it's yeah. right there. But. Well, no, I remember too, even being in college and probably people or professors saying something similar about that, having the business thing right there. And I remember thinking about it, but then just, maybe not knowing enough or just kind of thinking like, oh yeah, like it's not maybe that big of a deal. But I have heard a lot of people mention exactly that actually like now, like especially with, I guess, this particular age and, you know, with like social media and, you know, all these other avenues, um, like people specifically being like, you know, I wish I had maybe just even got just like a, I don't know, business degree, but just learned like these business skills, you know, like you were sure. saying, not just music business, but just like, 
business skills as a whole. You know what I mean? So it's, uh, it's important. And it's, I don't know, but I also think you have to be realistic with yourself. And like, if you're not interested in it, do not go into it. Don't do it. Don't try to do it. Find somebody that can help you rather than, yes. You know what I mean? That's good advice. Yeah. I just, I think resources. That's, and that's the other reason why I, I push against like requiring these music business courses because mm. I don't think that everyone is cut out to like do that stuff because they just don't have the interest. You mm-hmm. know? And it's like, why are you going to make them do this? They don't care. They're not going to do it. Like this is just a hoop to jump through that makes you feel better that they got this skill. But it's like, they don't, they don't want that. They don't want to be, they don't want to run a nonprofit. You know, they're not going to, they don't need to learn how to do that. <laughs> you know but then there sure. are other students that do want to and will use that information so i just i go back and forth because i think it's so important but at the same mm-hmm. time i want people to be realistic to like what are you actually going to do what do you actually want you know how do you want to spend your time what are you interested in because ultimately that's what's important after after school is over but yeah i just i, I oh, wish yeah. people would you know take a little time to think about or be willing to build their team in a way that they were able to like think about the marketing, help everyone help each other, you know, grow this whole thing, the awareness of the whole thing in the general public, just because it's not even out there except for a few jazz festivals, a few times a year and like a few releases that sort of cross pollinate. It's like, we could do a lot more if we just, everybody tried a little bit. That's what I think. Maybe Mm -hmm. I'm just, being eternally optimistic and <laughs> yeah. doomed. <laughs> well, that's great to be, man. That's great to be. I mean, I guess you have to have that uh, that attitude about it, you know. And even just thinking too, I guess maybe jazz as a whole. I mean, I mean, at one point, definitely. I mean, it, jazz was the popular music of the time, you know. But even now, like thinking about it, I guess even just in popularity. I mean, I don't know if I can say it's getting more popular or less popular um, as a whole. Um, what do I you think? Know. Yeah, I, I don't know if it's getting more or less popular. I also don't care because <laughs> I think because this is what I dedicated my life to, and I think mm. it's important, and I think it's interesting, and I think it's one of the highest levels of human creativity. Period. Mm. To be creating alongside other people, developing that that sixth sense of playing with one another and creating in real time that almost no other art forms even come close, you know? It's like when, when like a, a great sports star is like in the flow and like, mm. you know, hitting every three pointer, Steph Curry style, like that's the same as like Coltrane, you know? It's like they're oh, hell in yeah. that flow state. And that's like the highest level of human achievement to be able to get to that place, in my opinion, in my opinion. Uh-huh. Just, yeah. <laughs> and like, so to me, I just, I think using that as, a gateway to showing people like look at what this incredible stuff that people are doing like this is incredible you might not understand it you might not like it but i also don't care that much about basketball but i can appreciate somebody being great at basketball so why can't that go the other way and i think it can but we don't talk about it that much exactly yeah that's what i was thinking even just hearing you describe it like that i think is awesome you know because like you said if you're not familiar with it you know i guess when you think of like a jazz musician it could be like oh, they're playing a lot of fast notes. Like maybe there's a lack of understanding there. But like you said, even if there's a lack of understanding to what's happening or the craft, there can still be an appreciation there. So yeah, just the human 
connection. Like, wow, how are they doing that? How did they play together? How does he know that he's going to play this and they played it at the same time? Like, and just feeling the vibe. And you know this because you're a musician, but being in the room with those vibrations is like, it's healing, man. It's like, oh, there's something yeah. about it. And I don't mean to like be new agey about it at all. Yeah. Oh, no, sure. Be new vibration agey, yeah. <laughs> literally is like, yeah. It changes you like you, it does. you feel, I feel sick and I pick up and start playing my trombone and I feel better. There's no explanation for that other than I've changed my state by playing yes. the instrument and feeling the vibrations. And so I'm not a bit, I'm not like into crystals or like vibrations uh-huh. or anything, but yeah, like, I do think that it's real, you know? So it is. No, yeah, it literally is. Yeah. And I, I like when you think, I mean, it could be new agey, like, cause I think sometimes that word is used as like your higher vibration, but I mean, vibrations literally, I mean, yeah, obviously yeah. in the brain, vibrations literally change parts of your brain and your, your body and even various parts of your body will resonate literally at frequencies. You know, your bones resonate different from another part of your body and like right. the science, there's that science behind it too. So, mm-hmm. awesome, yeah, man. Man. so I don't know that that's like, it's really something that I hope that people will take more advantage of, especially now, like I just see so many people just kind of like, Oh, we can't play gigs and blah, we can't yeah. do this. We mm-hmm. can't do that. And I'm like, man, there's so much you can be doing right now to take advantage of what's happening. There's more attention on the internet than ever before. Just connect, try to connect with people. Like, what are you doing? Like, this is, this is just me. Yeah. Being ranty. Yeah. But, I got you. No, <laughs> for sure. I see that too. Yeah. I see that too. You know, I think probably the phrase, I mean, maybe just with people in general, I don't know. It's just hearing like stuck inside, you know, I'm stuck inside, yeah. man. There's nothing to do, but yeah, there's so much, man. You know, it's there's like, so like you were saying, do. there's so much, much to do. And you especially, and not that this, I mean, if there was any time, not that this is a great thing that has happened, but you have to take advantage of what's around you. I mean, to have all these resources, it's like, everything's there you know like you have a computer you have phones that you can record yourself you know it's like it's right there you know it's like right there for the taking so exactly so i don't yeah it's it's really really important but it's you know it's a little bit self-awareness you don't have to put yourself out there all the time but you know it's been four months now so like i feel like at some point you could have taken one time to like make a video of you talking Mm -hmm. about your music and put it on the internet if you're like mm-hmm. really trying to push yourself out there. But I understand that not everybody wants to do that. Sure. And not everyone may necessarily even have the thought or like think that it's something that they can branch into. So, you know. Sure. Yeah. Like I said, it's all about self-awareness in that, in that uh, space. So, oh, well. Yeah. So I got really like passionate about no. talking about why people need to be doing more stuff. But It's all good, man. It's all good. Yeah. So then I think actually... Uh, we're about close, I think, to about time where we can uh, wrap up here a little bit. Okay. Um, maybe you can talk about if there's there's maybe just a few ideas or one lesson. I mean, it's hard to say one lesson, just that you've gleaned now. Like maybe if you were going to talk to young Nick Finzer that was first starting out now, what, were, what was some advice that you would give now that you've learned in your years? Um, I, I, I want to say this, but I feel conflicted because, and so I want to say that, tell myself to be more patient, but Mm -hmm. at the same time, I think that my lack of patience has been an impetus for um, Mm. creating opportunity. So I'm conflicted as to what, um, 
if that's really the best advice that I would give myself, I think. Mm -hmm. But that's one thing that I think of. And the other thing is um, trying to have a little bit more balance. You know, I, like I said before, you asked about time management way at the beginning. And um, I, I'm just kind of 150 miles an hour or zero kind of person. And so like I would lock myself in a practice room for 12 hours and say, I'm not coming out until this time and I'm going to practice, you know, mm -hmm. and um, you know, to the lack, of, to the detriment of my relationships and social life and mm -hmm. just being a human. <laughs> so, you know, that's something I think about and like, Oh, I wonder if I could have, you know, been a more dynamic person in that time, you mm -hmm. know, connected with more people and mm. just spent more time with people that matter to me. And sometimes I just got a little obsessed about like having to practice and like never taking a day off and like being on vacation with my family and being like, mm -hmm. Nope, I got to sit in this room and practice for three hours. And you guys go to the beach and I'm going to stay here and this kind of stuff, you know? And mm -hmm. it's like I said, mm -hmm. I wouldn't take it back, but at the same time, maybe having a little bit more balance would be um, important. Mm. But gotcha. uh, yeah, those are a couple of things I would the tell balance. myself for sure. Very cool, man. Yeah. And I guess that's the thing, right? Is finding that balance. Um, but then, like you said, having that focus like you did, I mean, it's probably one of the things that got you to achieve a lot of the things that you have achieved. So yeah, so it's hard to say that I would take it back because I don't think I would take it back. But balance yeah. could have been better <laughs> right yeah because you could think that on a in another universe maybe if it had been flipped and you had taken more of those opportunities maybe you now might have been i wish i would have had that focus you know what i mean like i could have achieved all those things and we'll never know but uh exactly cool well then we'll try to find a way to mail that advice back to your younger self <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah exactly yeah God, cool. i need to take that advice now so maybe yes. i'll listen to myself now awesome Cool. Awesome, man. Well, thank you so much for doing this. I had a really great time. I hope you did too. Yeah. Great to talk to you, man. Thanks. For and maybe, and maybe, yeah. And uh, what I'll do too is uh, I guess you could also, we talked about it during uh, the recording, but you could maybe talk uh, a little bit about uh, either uh, where people that are listening can find some of your stuff, either like what mm -hmm. you're, uh, I'll put links to it underneath too, but like either sure. your website or YouTube channel or wherever they can, they can find you, they can find your stuff. Yeah. So the easiest place is either my website, nickfinzermusic.com, or you can go to Instagram is just at, at Nick Finzer, and you'll see the links to the various places where my music is Spotify. It's everywhere. I've, I'm a person that puts everything everywhere. So um, you, it's pretty easy to find. Even you could just type Nick Finzer into Google and you'll be just fine. He's everywhere. He's infiltrated the interwebs. <laughs> cool. All right. Yeah, I'll put all I'll put all the links and everything down in the description too, so everyone cool. can find it. So cool. Awesome, man.